You're listening to CTO Bob with Bob Pellerin. I'd love to welcome you to episode number four. Today's topic, network security. Joining me is Barracuda Network's Kevin Shu and Rutan Sun. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, Bob. How's it going? Hey, Bob. How's it going? So I'd like to uh, start off with Kevin. Um, there's a lot of pieces that secure your environment. Apart from firewalls, load balancers, link balancers, web filters, and so forth, if you can get the ball going by giving us an overview of all the pieces. You touched a little bit upon you know, having a lot of different devices in your network, um, and we do believe in the idea that you have purpose-built uh, solutions, whether they be your web security, email security, or network firewalling. And to your point, um, the first step in that security piece is your firewall. Um, for us, uh, link balancing is integrated into our Barracuda firewall. Um, we think that both functions are really important. For the link balancing side, it's important to have the ability to set QoS policies across your different links so that you have use cases where uh, perhaps your more sensitive or latency sensitive traffic can go over larger links uh, and perhaps maybe less sensitive traffic, let's say like email traffic, can go over smaller links and we integrate that into our Barracuda firewall as well as our NG firewall. And the idea behind that as well is, you know, next generation firewalling uh, becomes really, really important for that perimeter um, because you want the ability to be able to have both application as well as user control of what goes in and out of your network. I don't mean to start a debate, but there's a pro and cons to having a single unified box that does everything, also referred to as a UTM or Unified Threat Management. Now, if you could perhaps tell us as to Barracuda's point of view on this touchy subject. That's a hot topic today. Um, and our view is that it's better to have separate purpose-built solutions, but have them integrated into a singular management view. Um, and the rationale behind that is really twofold. Um, the first is a matter of scale. Um, you know, conceptually, it's very easy to understand the idea that with a singular hardware platform, um, the more features that you put onto it, the more latency you'll see, and the more you'll see your throughput go down, especially for um, really intensive computing functions like antivirus scanning, malware scanning. These are things that put a lot of overhead onto your, onto your UTM device. Uh, the second reason is also because when you look, start to look at, I think the, what you're hinting at is UTMs. When you start to look at UTMs, you have a lot of different modules that are sort of built onto that hardware platform. What you typically end up with then is those modules aren't best of breed. So in a lot of cases, let's say for web security, you don't necessarily see things like SSL inspection that enables you to see the content of social media traffic. Or for email security, um, you don't necessarily see the level of richness for things like data loss prevention, email encryption, even bulk email uh, configurations. And so the idea of having purpose-built solutions enables you to have a really rich feature set across all of your different modules. Um, But the key idea there is while you'll have a separate network security, web security, and email security solution, you, you you know our products well, you integrate that all through the Barracuda Cloud Control so that you have a singular view of your network.
I'd like to talk about data loss prevention, also referred to as DLP. Prime example to come to mind is if your organization deals with credit cards and you have numbers inside of a database or inside files, Excel spreadsheets, wherever you're keeping these things, and you don't want these things to leak out of the corporation or somebody to email them or someone to through a virus or other means to get to this information. Could you discuss uh, DLP and how your products counter this threat? Sure. Yeah, Bob, I'll, I'll take this one. Um, you know, from our view of the world, and to Kevin's point about this, uh, the way that we see the convergence between network security and content security pieces of the world, for us, DLP uh, means a couple of things. There, the traditional sense, obviously, you'd mentioned credit cards, uh, maybe patient medical record information, social security information. There's definitely that piece of data leakage prevention that we want to be able to enable. So, you know, if you are, let's say, a private physician's uh, office and you have a lot of, you know, as a result of, of the past two, three years of uh, electric, electronic medical records that have been passed through, the ability and the need to protect a lot of that data and make sure that it's not leaking out is very important. And so being able to prevent that type of data from being leaked is top of mind, I think, for a lot of private physicians, for doctors, healthcare organizations. Similarly, you know, you have the target breach that happened in the last couple of weeks, and so there's definitely some sensitivity around consumer information, specifically related to finances, around credit card information, social security. There's also another side of that, I think, that we've, we've kind of seen an issue with lately around social media, which is actually a lot of suspicious activities. Because these social media channels like Facebook and Twitter are you know, known for the user-generated content side, there's a lot of, of content that you can't really control because it's kind of farmed out to the masses. They can kind of post or, or write whatever they want. And there's a lot of suspicious activity that actually goes on on these channels that specific authorities like police agencies or, or state and local governments or public school institutions, for example, uh, may want to monitor. So when we think about the process of DLP, it's not just about preventing data from being leaked, but it's also being able to have visibility into specific uh, activities that happen on the web that from an authoritative position, you want to have that type of visibility into. One of the challenges for the smaller companies out there are how to identify threats and things that have occurred or suspected of having occurred recently. Now, could you walk us through the types of tools, the types of reports, and types of methodologies that you can use to identify what has just happened or something that is ongoing? If you were to suspect, for example, a user of going to Facebook and playing games or divulging some information on a forum, it is getting more and more complicated as the users go out there on social media. Sure, sure. Um, you know, the way that we see this issue, especially around social media now, there's actually a, a lot of different ways, I think, that, that you can approach it. One piece, obviously, is around having granular control and being able to actually shape and control the traffic. So Kevin had mentioned before um, the importance of having, you know, things like SSL inspection with your web security uh, solution uh, and, and, and the value of having that is actually because a lot of these social network uh, uh, platforms now, all of the traffic is actually passed as encrypted traffic, right? So they, they secure everything via SSL. And traditional content filtering systems, a lot of traditional firewalls and UTMs actually have no visibility into that set of traffic because it's encrypted. So the first step, I think, from our perspective is to be able to actually decrypt that traffic and have visibility into where that particular request or where that particular packet is, is going. Once you have done that kind of decryption piece, then it's about being able to manage the control of it, right? So, and, and what we're finding amongst a lot of our customers is that not only do they want to be able to shape and control traffic to say, 
uh, Facebook.com, they actually want to get much more granular than that. They want to allow that traffic to Facebook.com, but they want to block Facebook games. They want to block specifically Facebook chat because there, there is some collaborative value, I think, behind uh, social media that I think schools and, and governments and, and, and organizations in general uh, recognize, but at the same time, they also see that there are inherent dangers in social media platforms they want to be able to limit. Uh, so for us, you know, the, the, the granular control piece, I think, is the second step of that entire process. And once you have that control, I think the next step is around monitoring, right? So there's one piece where you can control whether somebody can go to Facebook or whether someone will go to chat, but beyond the control piece, you also want to monitor what types of information, what types of content they're actually posting on Facebook or what they're searching for on, on, on Google. Um, and so the third piece of that is around monitoring. And if something suspicious does happen, let's say you know, there's a bomb threat that goes out or let's say a credit card number gets leaked out, you want to be alerted on that in a proactive manner, right? You, you, you don't want to have to look, dig into your reports or dig into your logs to find that because for a one-man IT shop, there's simply not enough bandwidth and not enough resources for that one person to do that. So you, you'd like to be able to have some kind of proactive alert system that lets you know if a credit card number gets leaked or if a, if a student is threatening to, to blow up a school, whatever it might be. So the monitoring piece is, is, is equally important as well as the, the alerting piece. And then obviously from a forensic perspective, you know, if, if something does happen, uh, there's there's also the, the e-discovery and litigation piece that requires that you show all of the documents related to the particular incident that happened. And so the ability to actually save and archive a lot of this communication is also vital. And so from an archiving perspective, you know, our, our, our web filter product actually integrates very well with our message archiver products so that uh, things like social media communication and, and search engine queries uh, will actually all be archived in our message archiver and it's actually very easy to search and retrieve that information if it's ever, if it's ever called upon in a court of law. From a vision perspective, that's, you know, from it, when we look at DLP, it's not just, uh, you know, data loss prevention in the traditional sense. There's so much more going on in the world of Web 2.0 um, that we have to, to be cognizant of. And at the same time, I think there's a lot more gray area with Web 2.0 applications. You know, what's necessarily right or wrong is not, you know, determined as, as objectively as we'd like to be. And so we want to be able to provide that level of flexibility and granularity so that the admin can decide for themselves. One of the recurring questions that I get is if I have a firewall that has an antivirus on it and it's scanning things as they're coming into my environment, then why do I need to have antivirus on the workstations or on the devices themselves? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think when you think about uh, malware detection, I think when you think about protecting yourself against different kinds of threats, it's about redundancy. You never want to kind of limit yourself, just like in network functionality now, you never want to limit yourself to a single point of failure. You always want to have you know, high availability, whether that's a second egress point. I think the similar set of, of concepts in terms of redundancy apply for malware detection and for antiviruses. You never want to rely on a single you know, agent software or a single firewall to do all of the malware detection because I don't think there's a single box out there that can pick up and prevent and clean every single piece of malware that's out there. And so when you think about web-based threats or when you think about threats in general, I think it's really about having multiple layers of protection, whether that be at the firewall level or at the web filter level or even, you know, user, end-user agent software, things like, you know, uh, McAfee or AVG installed on desktop clients. But it's really about 
you know, an ecosystem for how those different tools work together as opposed to looking for that all-in-one solution that you think will be able to block everything. Because, you know, from our perspective uh, on the vendor side, I, I really don't think that there is that single all-in-one solution that would be able to provide completely comprehensive protection regardless of what threats and, and, and malware is out there. And I think, Bob, something else to consider as well is there's a number of different vehicles by which you can reach that endpoint. And so with, uh, with a network gateway device that allows you to be able to uh, uh, secure uh, vectors like network, web, email, but you still need endpoint security at some point because you never know about the guy who just sticks a USB drive into his computer. There's, uh, there's just different avenues by which malware or viruses can reach that computer. And so ultimately, you, to Routine's point, you do have to secure both paths because, uh, well, you ultimately have to support both paths. Now, when very small companies ask me what the minimum amount of uh, security is, I usually tell them to go with a firewall that does, at a minimum, antivirus and anti-spam. Can you share with us your recommendations for the smaller companies out there? You know, no matter what, every organization needs a firewall. Um, at the end of the day, you need to have some sort of security, or at the very least, a gateway security device that controls the incoming and outgoing network traffic, and it really analyzes the data packets to determine whether that traffic should be coming in or out of your network. I would say that in addition to that, it's not just web security, but everyone also requires an email security uh, solution as well. I don't know of any business today that doesn't have both network and email security. Yeah, and just to expand on that point a little bit, you know, uh, to, to, to your question about um, different use cases or different sizes of customers, whether that's a, a small business or a, a small enterprise, um, I think the value for Barracuda to be able to offer different deployment factors or different form factors in the version of hard, a dedicated hardware appliance or virtual images or even a cloud-based solution, I think really helps to address the entirety of the market because, you know, it may not nece- necessarily make sense for that small, you know, 50-person uh, uh, company with a one-man IT shop to go and buy dedicated appliance for everything, whereas they, they may look at it as, you know what, a UTM may be fine for me, but really the solution that makes more sense for them then is a cloud-connected security posture that, you know, has really reflected on the convergence of, of networking content security. So maybe the way to, to deal with that better is actually to go with a Barracuda firewall and offload your content filtering, your, whether that be email or web security, off into the cloud. And so I think a lot of our customers now look at it as they want that single pane of glass management tool, but they're, they're not necessarily sure what is the best way to get it. And our posture has kind of been, you know, you don't want to go down the route of an all-in-one solution because the problem with an all-in-one solution, you know, to Kevin's point before, is one, it's not best of breed, and two, you know, there are performance impacts, and, and three, I think there's, uh, you're, again, you're really limiting yourself to a single point of failure. Uh, there's really no risk diversification in terms of uh, the security posture of your network. And so being able to offer different deployment methods uh, as I mentioned, in hardware or virtual or cloud, I think m- makes it so that we can support customers from you know the spectrum of a 50-person IT, a 50-person uh, company, all the way up to you know small enterprises with you know 2,000, 3,000 people, and and up to you know large school districts of 20 to 30,000 students. Um, but I, I really think it's that flexibility of deployment that makes it work so well for us. And Bob, the one thing I will note is we talk a lot about SMBs and enterprise. You know what we're starting to see is that those requirements are really starting to blend quite a bit. Um, whether it be the firewall, where 
things like next generation capabilities like application control, user awareness, those things several years ago, we probably thought of them as primarily enterprise grade requirements, whereas today we see that as a, a requirement that just about every business requires today. A lot of attacks or most attacks or a, a good volume of attacks today come over applications that are masquerading as HTTP or HTTPS traffic. Because of that, you need advanced network firewalling. I think um, for web, se web security as well as email security, you're starting to see that blend quite a bit as well, whether it be DLP requirements that Routine talked about, email encryption, or social media regulation and monitoring. Those are all requirements that have actually come down from larger organizations that initially adopted them. I think the one trend to just keep in mind is that distinction between what is really an enterprise requirement and what is really an SMB requirement is starting to blend more and more today. You've mentioned the word offloading. Could you mention the type of services that you offload and what that means exactly and how that relates to your cloud strategy? Yeah, so there's there's a couple of different things that we do. Uh, we we have a Barracuda email security service as, as well as a Barracuda web security service. So those right. are basically, uh, to to some extent, cloud form factors of our you know award-winning hardware appliances and, and virtual uh, appliances as well. So when I say offloading, I, what I'm meaning is that you can actually hook up your Barracuda gateway device, your your Barracuda firewall so that the web traffic that goes out of the firewall actually gets pro proxy directly to the cloud before it goes out, and similar with, with email on the way in. Now, I spoke about virtualizations in past podcasts. Could you get into how the physical security devices are turning into virtual applications? Is it safe to say that most, if not all, of your devices right now are available as, as virtual appliances? Most of them. So the security-related ones, so like the... The web filter, the spam firewall, those are the ones that are, now have virtual instances. So to summarize, the larger clients out there that are looking at solutions from Barracuda Networks would be looking at individual devices or virtualized appliances. And the smaller companies out there that are listening could easily just put in a firewall and then use some of the cloud-based services to add certain features. For example, the web filtering or the anti-spam Exactly. And, and again, the reason why we, we take that particular posture is because uh, we don't believe in letting your, your need for content filtering or anti-spam protection to really uh, bog down or limit the throughput capabilities of, of your firewall. It, you know, when we talk to a lot of customers of other vendors, one of the biggest, I think, uh, pain points that they, they often bring up is, look, I turned on content filtering and I turned this on and I turned on SSL inspection and all of a sudden my firewall went down. Um, and the reason why is because we see it as, you know, this it's a single box that's trying to do a little bit too much. So the way that we have kind of built our products is, is in an entire security solution where you can actually offload that traffic to the cloud and let the cloud be able to handle the processing uh, and the filtering for you and, and let the firewall really do what the firewall is meant to do. And that is really to serve as kind of the anchor of, of your network in terms of your security posture. And again, there's that risk diversification piece to it, right, is that once they've turned on everything and their firewall goes down, I mean, that's probably, in terms of your network infrastructure, that's probably the last device that you want to go down in your network. So for us, you know, if for whatever reason, God forbid, the web security service is down for a short period of time or the email security service is down for a short period of time, it's not the same level of gravity as having your firewall be down for any point of time. We're going to wrap this up. I want to thank you both for being on the podcast with me today and for discussing security appliances. 
Thank you, Bob. Thanks, Bob. If you have questions or comments or suggestions for future podcasts, please go to www.ctobob.com. The opinions of the host and of the guests are their own and may or may not reflect the opinions of this website. This podcast is copyright 2014 and is written and produced by Bob Pellerin.